I got a question for us as we get started today, kind of a little bit of a reflection, but I want to know, I want you to be thinking about, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What, what kind of rises up in you when you think about this idea of gratitude or being thankful? Maybe for you, that's an easy answer. Maybe you could write just a list of all the things that are in your life that you just feel thankful for. Maybe gratitude is something that's you know, a bit harder to reach for. You could list a few things. Maybe you might be of the opinion, like, I don't have anything to be thankful for in my life, right? My life is just hard. I don't have anything to be thankful for. Well, if I'm honest, a lot of the time, gratefulness, thankfulness isn't, isn't an easy feeling for me to come by, right? I like, to, I like to work hard. I like to think that I'm disciplined and that I achieve a lot of things by myself. And if I can do it by myself, that means I don't have to be grateful or thankful to anyone because I'm, I'm kind of pulling myself up by my bootstraps. Anyone, anyone out there with me? It's just me? Okay, you can pray for me. That's, that's fine. I understand that. But I think a little bit of this is, is maybe that American idealism, right? This American experience that we can push and achieve and strive and that we can earn it on our own. And, and I'm wondering if maybe part of the price that we pay for that is that we don't, we don't do well cultivating thankfulness or gratitude because, well, I earned it. And there are some significant spiritual implications to that. But I want to tell you somebody that I've learned who doesn't struggle with thankfulness and gratitude. Ugandans. Let me, let me explain if you don't know that. Ugandans, I've been to tra- being able to travel to rural Uganda to talk with and lead local community leaders and pastors over the past couple summers. It's been an incredibly rich experience. And while I go to teach them about the Bible and about God and about leadership, Every year I get to learn lessons from them. And this year I learned a lesson about what it is to be grateful, to have gratitude, right? If you've ever served with people internationally, you've likely had a similar experience. And and if you haven't, then please consider signing up for one of our Casas Per Cristo trips or on our Poetas trip that's coming up in the summer because they're life-changing opportunities. But I, I really wish I could convey with my words the level of gratitude that they express on a regular basis, right? People who we would say they literally have nothing. They have no things, perhaps, no earthly possessions in our minds to be thankful for. Their lives are difficult. They work hard. They live on pennies per day. They're limited by education and the availability of things like food and water and medicine. And yet when they show up to church, when they meet us in conversation, they express a level of gratitude and thankfulness to God that, that quite frankly, put many of us, myself included, to shame. I mean, they dance. They dance profusely. They shout. They sing at the top of their lungs. This is just a flavor of some pictures of what worship looks like for them. And it lasts for hours as they pour themselves out before their lords. And no exaggeration, in the four or five words that I know in the local language, almost every song is an expression of thankfulness to God for who he is and how he provides for them. And it was challenging to me, and it really got me thinking about my posture towards gratitude, my posture towards my thankfulness for God. And it gave me a picture that that really challenged my relationship with gratitude. So we're in the second week of our series, Conversations. We're talking about five prayers that will change our lives. Last week, Pastor Phil challenged us with wow prayers, right? Amazed at who God is, how good he is to us. And that leads us perfectly into this week's prayer, which is simply, God, thank you. 
We're going to talk about thankfulness, gratitude in our prayers today. We're going to be looking at the scripture, Philippians chapter 4, if you want to turn there. If you brought a Bible, if you didn't bring a Bible, I'd encourage you just to slip your hands up. Our ushers are coming around right now. You're welcome to borrow a Bible for today. If you do, we'll be on page 710. Of course, if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to keep this one. It's just our gift to you. We'll be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 again page 710. We're going to pour into this scripture, see what it has to teach us about gratitude, where we find it, and how we express that to God. And and while you're turning there, let me just point something out about these first two prayers, wow and thank you. They're they're similar in that they both invite us to change our perspective, to take the focus off of ourselves and to place them on who God is and how he provides us for us. As we continue talking, we'll talk about prayers of maybe petition, right? Where we're asking God for the things that we need for our life. But we're starting here because these are really shifting our prayer focus to the character and nature of God. And it's important when we look at our prayer life to start there with lifting God high to say, wow, and thank you. So let's dive in here. Philippians chapter four, if you're there and ready, we'll begin at verse four. It says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful section of scripture. might be familiar to you. And and I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just in in a bad mood this morning, but like it kind of strikes me as like impossible right off the bat. Does anybody else feel that reading this, right? Like it's a little too too optimistic, a little bit too glass half full for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little glass half empty just kind of naturally. I've prayed about it. It hasn't changed, but you can still pray for me. But this idea of always full of joy, always full of joy, really? Pray about everything? Don't worry about anything, right? This, this seems like maybe out of touch with reality, or at least my reality, right? Maybe I, I would be more grateful if I were always full of joy and not worrying about stuff. But I don't know about you, but I've got stuff to worry about, right? That's not the world that I live in. I've got stuff to do. I can't be praying all of the time. That's ridiculous. And then there's work and stuff to do, and my boss just does not get it, right? And then at home, I've got teenagers, and if you think I struggle with gratitude, I'm not sure they know what it means. And then there are bad drivers that steal my joy, and they hurt my soul, to be frank, right? So I don't know about you, but my prayers quickly shift from, Lord, if you'd fix all of that, then maybe I'd be grateful. Maybe maybe your prayers do something similar, that we seem to want God to do something more for us to be grateful to him. It's like we forget that we owe him everything, that all we have is a gift from God, that all I am belongs to God, and that every moment of our lives is a reflection of his grace to us. But on Monday morning, stuck in traffic, coffee spilled on the floor, running late, it's hard to feel meaningfully grateful for the gifts that God gives me. Often because my life is just too busy and my margins push those thoughts out to the edges. I wonder if it's similar for you. Do you get a sense of how quickly we become entitled in our requests to God? 
how fast we switch from seeking to be thankful to God in prayer and listing the reasons then why we can't be thankful or what we would need to be thankful. Speaking of which, how's Christmas? Did you get what was on your list? Were you thankful for it? I have to confess, my wife and I have been saving up. We got new phones upgraded finally after years. And I I kid you not, one weekend, literally four days after getting brand new phones, we were watching TV, looking at our phones like we all do. And instead of gratitude for our newfound treasure, we kind of had a moment where we locked eyes and we kind of said, this is a little overrated. (laughs) Not quite filling the gap that we thought it would. It's like this new gadget, this new toy couldn't satisfy a deeper longing that we were feeling. Has anyone been there? you had that opportunity where you've been looking for something, you've gotten what you wanted and you were disappointed instead of thankful, then maybe you feel guilty for being disappointed instead of thankful. And that guilt spills over into some negative thought patterns about how life and you know, you're always down and now life sucks and I'm depressed. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, gratitude for my new phones. Just as those thoughts turn around and disappointment starts us on a downward spiral to view the experiences of our life negatively, gratitude actually does the exact opposite. Gratitude towards God creates this upward pull in our life that will continue to lift our whole selves up to him and begin to align us with his presence. And a profound view of life through God's eyes like that will spill over into every area of our lives, which I don't know about you, but that sounds better to me. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate this attitude of gratefulness? Well, let's start pretty simply. Let's start to number one, grow in our gratitude, grow in gratitude. By that, I mean, set it up as an intention. We have to actually try to grow this muscle of thankfulness in our lives. If this is something that's important to you, I said it's been important to me, we have to make an intentional decision to get better at being thankful, to recognize the opportunities in our lives to express gratefulness to God for the things around us. A simple habit here is to replace some of those negative thoughts with positive ones. If you find that that's difficult to do on your own, that's okay. That's why we have scripture like the ones that we just read, Philippians 4, 4, and 5. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Now, perhaps rather than viewing this as an idealistic or out-of-touch statement like I started us on, what if we saw this as an invitation to see and trust God in a new way, especially at times where we aren't full of joy and gracious? So how can we be full of joy? Well, there's lots of ways that we could define happiness versus joy, but for today, let's just start with a simple definition. Let's define joy as those things that make us feel most at home in our bodies. Maybe it's connected to God, connected to ourselves, those things that most make us us. What brings out joy in those places for you? Maybe for you, it's, it's family. It's the idea of people who are close to you, drawing near to you, people who make you feel seen and heard. Maybe what brings you joy is laughing or playing games, and maybe you had some time over these last snow days or at Christmas to do that with people who are important to you. 
Maybe you get joy from enjoying God's creation, either by being outside or enjoying a delicious meal. Whatever those places are that you find yourself connected at a deeper level to God, take those as opportunities to experience the joy and then be grateful for them. Simply take up the habit of saying thank you. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can actually be really simple. Here, let's just try it together right now in this moment. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Nobody's going to move around. Quick, close your eyes. And I want you to think about something that brings you joy. Something that connects you to your heart, to God's heart. And just to offer up a quick thank you silently to him yourself. It might sound like something simple, like, God, thank you for bacon. I just love bacon. God, thank you for chocolate and for Christmas cookies and all of those things. God, thank you for friends who are as close as family, for people who are with us through thick and thin or friends who just pick up the phone to check in. God, thank you for the gift of life in Jesus. Okay, open your eyes. Don't want you to fall asleep this morning, but I just want to demonstrate that it's simple to connect our heart with the idea of something that brings us joy and then to offer that up as a simple thank you to God to begin to shift our perspective and grow in our gratitude. Another way that the scripture says we can do this is to be considerate of others in all we do. Literally, it means to be considerate of others, to put others First, which is a reminder of just a few chapters back in this book of Philippians, Paul says in Philippians 2 in a little bit different, stronger way. Here's what he says in Philippians 2, verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. So how do we be considerate of others? A simple practice here. To be considerate of others, let's just try to love them, right? To put them first, to put their needs, desires, and wants ahead of our own. If you want to be considerate of your spouse, what action could you take to show them that you love them? And if I'm thinking about putting them first, what about your kids, right? On snow days where they're a little stir crazy, what does it look like to put them first, to consider them, to put down maybe what you want to do to relax and to instead pick up a game or invest in them? How could I love and consider them? Maybe you saw a neighbor's car get stuck in the road and you could be considerate of others, put others first by helping them dig out. When we act in a loving and considerate manner to those around us, guess what we experience and feel? We feel joy. And we can be thankful to God for that feeling of joy. We can be grateful that we made others feel loved. And that really fosters this idea of loving kindness within ourselves as we extend it to others. When we act graciously and considerate, our own joy grows and it expresses itself in increasing levels of gratitude to God for the things and situations in our lives. And if you need just a little bit more motivation to grow in gratitude, Paul ends Philippians 4, 5 by saying, remember, the Lord is coming soon, which feels a little bit like, remember, God's watching Kind of a guilt trip, right? But it's scripture, so we'll, we'll allow it. But my, my point here is simply this. Gratitude is not something that just happens. It's not a feeling that we wait for. Uh, I just don't feel gracious yet. It, it's something that we cultivate, that we pursue. We can choose to foster and grow in our lives. And you can choose to be grateful, to create joy and love in your actions. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. As a matter of fact, it's, it's probably hard for some of us. What if 
Joy is difficult for you to find. Gratitude and thankfulness are difficult for you. Whether it's a season or a side effect or just a bad day, what do we do when joy and thankfulness and gratitude are hard to find? Well, I think there's an answer in the second part of our verses today, and that's simply that we can ask God. We can ask God. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. When we don't feel gratitude naturally, we can ask God to help us see the things to be grateful for. And I put this in the same line as like when we pray for patience, right? God doesn't just snap his fingers and make us patient, does he? No, he gives us situations and experiences where we have to learn to be patient and thereby we become a patient person. It's similar when we ask God, hey, God, help me grow in my thankfulness and my gratitude. God doesn't just snap his fingers and make us more gracious. He puts us in situations where we can learn to inhabit the experience of being more thankful and grateful. Sometimes when I hear this don't worry part of the verse, I I hear that negative voice in my head, like it's a command and I'm being scolded, like God says don't worry. And if I worry, then I'm being bad and I'm wrong and I feel shame about that. I, I don't think that's what this verse is trying to communicate, though. Like if I go to my kids and they're worried about a test or about making a hard life decision, I don't want them to think that they're bad or wrong, right? That closes them off. It isolates them from me and from our relationship. But instead, I want to reassure them, say they're you're loved no matter what. So when I sit down across from them and I say, hey, bud, don't worry. I'm not trying to make that a statement of condemnation It's an invitation to trust in the strength of our relationship. And because of my love for them, they don't need to worry about some of the cares in this life. They can come to me with anything good or bad, right or wrong, and they don't have to worry about my reaction because I love them. And nothing that they do will ever change that. So listen, God loves you no matter what. He's loved you since the foundations of the earth, and because of his great love, he doesn't want you to worry about anything. Instead, he says, just come to me. Just talk to me. Pray about everything. Have a conversation with me. Tell me what you need. And then what? He says, thank him. Anyone else's life not turn out how they dreamed it would in sixth grade? Right? All that practice I did because I was going to be a professional baseball player at signing my signature on baseballs has not paid off yet. Uh, my astronaut application got denied again. I know, I can't believe it either. Life's twists and turns can floor us. They can leave us questioning and wondering how we got here and what went south. And, and often we, we tend to lay those realities at God's feet. Like, God, I prayed to be a baseball player, so whenever you're ready, here I am, Lord. God, I, I prayed for that job and, and I didn't get it. God, I I prayed for my child, and they're still far away from you. God, I I prayed for healing, but I'm still sick. Which leads us into some larger questions. God, how can I be grateful when so many things in my life have not worked out the way that I prayed for them to, the way that I wanted, the, the way that I dreamed them to be? God, it's hard to be joyful and grateful when nothing seems to be going according to my plan. And then I visit my friends in Uganda, and it's a gut punch because they have this peace and this joy that is priceless. 
And they invite me to re-engage God's promises in Scripture, to repent of just wanting things my ways and to apply the way that the Scripture actually says it. Because it doesn't say, hey, pray about everything and God will give you exactly what you ask for. It says, tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. If you hear nothing else today, let me just submit this to you. We don't thank God only for answered prayers. We can't thank God for only answered prayers. God doesn't always give us the answers that we want when we pray. You probably won't be joyful always or never worrying. And and that's okay because we're human. But if your thank you to God is dependent on the circumstances of your life or the results of your prayers matching what you want, then you'll never find it within yourself to be thankful. You'll always treat God like he's left you on red because your prayers aren't answered in the way that you want. Part of this faith journey is learning to thank God in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the hardships, in the middle of this thing that we call life, and to push back against the way that the world pulls us with worry and anxiety and stress and ungratefulness, and instead to enter into God's kingdom, to enter into his presence to learn this new way to live under the yoke of Jesus, to have access to joy and gratitude through the cross and thank God for everything that he's done for us, even when life isn't perfect. And this is so important because on the other side of gratitude, scripture says is peace. That's our third way. We experience peace. Here's what it says in Philippians 4 verse 7 then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Look, gratitude paves the way to the peace of God. And that peace does not simply mean right not being at war, not being in strife. We're not at war with China or Russia or Hamas, but I'm not sure that it feels entirely peaceful either. The, The peace of God is something far better. It's your feet up on the fireplace with a cup of hot cocoa and fresh snow falling. It's a shalom, the scripture describes, a peace that everything is right in the world. It's a deep breath in God's presence. And once you experience this peace from God, God's peace starts to do the work. The scripture says that God's peace will guard your heart and your mind. It will help you turn those negative thoughts that you experience into prayers and petitions of thankfulness. It will help stop those negative cycles of self-talk if you listen to the voice of the one who loves you. Because gratitude, I don't know if you know this, it literally rewires our brain. Like, we see this in the scripture, and science is actually catching up to us in a couple different ways, and we've done studies on the experience of gratitude and how it affects the chemicals in our body, and gratitude is amazing. Here's the summary of findings from a published scientific study on gratitude. I just want to read you this one summary sentence from them. Here's what they say. In short... Gratitude can boost the neurotransmitter serotonin and activate the brainstem to produce dopamine. Dopamine is our brain's pleasure chemical. The more we think positive, grateful thoughts, the healthier and happier we feel. Which is astounding. 
And it matches up perfectly with some of our biblical instructions. Here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That being grateful to God leads us to a life that God wants for us, which does incidentally include being healthier and happier. It's how he designed our bodies to work. Isn't that amazing? I saw an interview recently with Michael J. Fox, who has debilitating Parkinson's disease, and I just want you to hear his perspective on gratitude. Take a look. That's the point. That's the joke. I recognize how hard this is for people, and I recognize how hard it is for me. But I have a certain set of skills that allow me to deal with this stuff. And then I realized, with gratitude, optimism is sustainable. If you find something to be grateful for, then you find something to look forward to, and you carry on. You write that down. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. Listen to the lady. Write that down. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. If you find that gratefulness within yourself, you can begin to cultivate a life around being grateful And all of a sudden, your outlook on life can begin to shift. Now, I have no idea what his personal spiritual beliefs are, but I can tell you where I find this truth in Scripture is all over the place. But Psalm 9-1 says it this way, I will give thanks to you, Lord. I will be grateful to you, in other words, with all my heart, and I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. In other words, when I'm grateful to God, I possess the optimism from him that things are going to work out okay because he's in charge. Gratitude in the midst of suffering. It's called faith, right? Optimism and hope sustained by the gratitude that we possess to God. And this becomes the work of our life, that gratitude creates peace with God and peace paves the way for us to experience more joy because when we're grateful, we take joy in what we have. And gratitude is this linchpin that's hardwired into our brain by God to help us enjoy and experience life to the fullest that he promises us in Jesus. And here's the great news. Rather than just relying on the feeling or the action of gratitude, like perhaps the scientific community would dismiss it to, we have this invitation to rewrite our life and connect that gratefulness to our Heavenly Father, thanking Him for all He has done for us. And when we lean into that secret, we lean into that truth, we find the opportunity to grow in our gratitude. So as we wrap this up, I just have a couple practical thoughts for us about how we can apply this scripture in our lives. How can we continue to grow in gratitude and apply what we just read to our habits and patterns and thoughts? Number one, surround yourself with positive truth. Surround yourself with positive truth. By by this, I simply mean input equals output. Right? It's true in our bodies, right? The energy that we have, it's true on a physical level. The energy that we have doesn't come from anything other than what we put into our body. It's similar with our mind, our ears, our heart, and our soul. What we put into our brains and our minds affects us. And so we can't just listen to the negative barrage of things that are happening in our world and expect to not be affected by it. We need some positive truth injected into our lives. I'm talking about a connection with God here, God-centered songs and worship, listening to the Bible regularly. What about podcasts? What are the good things that you're putting into your soul as you experience your day? 
I love this truth from scripture that David comes from David's life. It's from 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And it's simply this. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Other versions say that David encouraged himself in the Lord. David had the maturity to seek God out even when things weren't going his way. He knew who God was, and he didn't wait on God to answer his prayers to just make him feel different. He reminded himself of the Lord's goodness. He trusted him and thanked him. We can do the same thing in our spiritual practices to seek out God, to encourage ourselves and find ourselves encouraged by him by surrounding ourselves with positive truths. Second, let's practice prayer. Practice prayer. I know this is this entire series, and so we're trying to uplift as we begin this year, but prayer doesn't have to be some grand scripted encounter. You don't have to be up before the sun on your knees at the side of the bed for it to be a meaningful discipline. Prayer can be simple, ongoing conversations with God. That's why we're starting with these easy, practical ways that we can begin conversations with God. Small, simple prayers like, wow, God. And thank you, God, and the other prayers that we'll talk about throughout this series, and to keep those as a central refrain in your mind. Really, prayer happens anytime and anywhere we turn our attention towards God. You can speak them out loud, you can say grace around a mealtime, you can pray silently for people, but it's that intentionality of bringing our thoughts, our prayers, our affections towards God in our daily rhythms. So surround yourself with positive truth, practice prayer. Three, if you want to grow in gratitude, why don't you try writing daily gratitudes, writing daily gratitudes. Maybe you've heard of like a gratitude challenge where for like a month every day, you intentionally take some time to write down something you're grateful for. I've said, hey, I'm trying to grow in this discipline. So I did this the entire month of November. Some days were easy. It was easy to think of family or friends or shared time that I was able just to jot down a quick thank you prayer to God. There were other times that were really difficult that I had to go to God and say, hey, I need you to change my attitude on a hard conversation on a difficult day because I'm having a hard time being grateful in the midst of this. Gratitude can be found in simple things. Sunrise or a sunset or staying warm on a cold day. Teens who say more than one word about how their school day was or who linger to watch a TV show after dinner. You can actually try to make a habit of gratitude and it'll change your life. And when you physically write them down, your brain sees it differently and we can grow in that. Actually, as we move towards Easter, we're going to be making a small devotional journal to pray these prayers together as we go through Lent and go to Easter. Maybe when that happens, that's your invitation to take up the practice of doing this daily as we participate in that together as a church. Lastly, give gratitude to others. As we read, be considerate of others, think of others, and put others first. Thank them for their presence in your life, for the way that they make you feel, for the way that they interact with you. Thank a stranger for making you smile on the street. Thank a neighbor for shoveling your sidewalk. When we look for opportunities to be grateful, it's amazing how often they turn up, how meaningful it is. When we share our gratitude with the people around us, again, it changes our experience. So the invitation, the simple truth from today is really to step into the reality of God's love for you, to acknowledge it by simply saying thank you, and to make that a habit, a discipline, in whatever one of these ways may work for you. 
but to enter into a constant conversation of recognizing all that God has done for you and expressing your gratefulness to him. And if we pray this way consistently with our gratefulness to God, you might even learn to thank God for the hard times that taught you to trust in him, that taught you to see his goodness displayed on your life, despite the fact that it doesn't feel true in this moment. No matter what, my hope and prayer is that you grow in gratitude, thanking God for all that he has done and having experienced that thankfulness to him that you'll receive his peace in every area of your life.